Today on the Cineos Health Podcast, we'll be talking about medical affairs at early stages of development. Medical affairs is usually thought of as something that we do at the late stage or commercialization. Why do we need medical affairs early? I'm Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. I'll be joined today by Steve Gomez, also from Cineos Health Consulting in the Medical Affairs Group. We'll be talking about early stage medical affairs next on the Cineos Health Podcast. Steve Gomez, welcome to the Cineos Health Podcast. Hello. Happy to be here. Thank you. We're talking about medical affairs, but at a time that I don't think many companies think about medical affairs. Medical affairs, as I think about it, as I've learned about it, is something that we often think of as a commercialization adjunct or something that helps you in working with the market access people. But what I haven't heard is thinking about it early in development before you've done major parts of your clinical trials even. Tell me about early development and medical affairs. Yeah, so I want to take a step back. And with that introduction into medical affairs, used a key word there, and that was the support. And I would say we at Cineos Health are really trying to back burner that word when we talk about medical affairs overall contribution to drug development slash commercialization. And we understand that medical affairs, the function was born out of need for that medical and deep scientific support for a development program. But we feel that there's a really large opportunity for the medical affairs organization to really kind of be a shepherd and strategic partner and even leader for an organization, even early in development. And we get approached by a lot of organizations, both large and small, say a small organization where they have 20 or less employees or a large organization where they need to execute on medical affairs activities, say where they have a small budget because it's a high risk program. And so we're literally asked by many organizations, organizations of all size, what can we do three, four, five years out when we have a medical affairs support team for this molecule of N equals one or N equals two? And it's in our very firm opinion that there's a lot can be done. And it really starts with the strategic medical foundation, this three-headed entity of medical narrative comprised of both real and aspirational statements of how an organization wants to speak about their asset now and in the future. So it's really an internally facing document that entire organization can rally around. The next is an evidence grid or evidence matrix, and it's really an exercise born out of after everybody's aligned with developing a document like the medical narrative of what can we communicate now? What in this document, in this medical narrative is real now? What do we have the data for now that can be the basis for any communication platform, not just for the medical organization, but really the entire organization? And then finally, what is that high-level communication plan, the third piece to this strategic medical foundation? Because when you look at the medical narrative, it's really a positioning document. You're positioning your asset and you're speaking about a particular disease in a certain way to position yourself, position your science in a potentially crowded field. With that, you should be able to understand what the perceptions are out in the field. And once you know that, your overall communication objectives will start to rise to the top or really get distilled out. And hopefully that makes sense. So this kind of operationalizing, say, the development of something like a strategic medical foundation does not require heavy resource investment. We've helped organizations with one, two, three people to develop something like this, gather and integrate that very important cross-functional piece 
but the medical organization is really the shepherd for this. You mentioned that you're working with companies that have already decided to have one to two medical affairs people, and they're now trying to find a best deployment for them or best use for them. That's what it sounds like to me. So stop me if I'm wrong. Can I ask you a provocative question, though? If you're a small company, why do you want medical affairs if you're early in development? That's kind of an old-fashioned way of thinking. It's an extremely crowded medical community that's getting bombarded with information. And unless you have a curative disease, say, which very, very, very few drugs are curative drugs, then you're going to have to position yourself strategically. And so really early on, there's a lot of consideration. How crowded the marketplace is at the current moment? Is there consensus in the medical community regarding what the general unmet medical need is? Is your molecule differentiated? Is the safety efficacy profile, is it radically different than, say, competitors or other pipeline products from a competitor? Is it a novel mechanism of action or not? And what is the general perception of the organization as a whole in the medical community? Is this a brand new therapeutic area for the company or the organization? Or is it space that they've established themselves already? And the maturity of the disease landscape is the regulatory pathway defined? How about the patient community sophistication? All of these things are going to really dictate your overall medical objectives and general strategies. It almost doesn't matter whether or not you have a medical affairs function. You're going to need to describe and understand the science, the medical literature. You're going to have to have a market that you yeah. understand. So you have to describe it to someone, even if it's just investors. Exactly. Questions, medical and scientific-based questions, comments, inquiries are going to come in at all points in development. And an overall asset is going to generate a certain amount of buzz, and an organization needs to be prepared for that. And that's one-way communication. The other way, how are insights from the medical community being pulled back to shape medical and overall organizational strategy? One thing that can be useful in science in general is, and I come from a bit of a molecular biology background, so this is how we did things. If we wanted to understand something, we break it and then see what happens. What happens if you don't do it right? That's kind of the million-dollar question regarding medical affairs because overall tracking metrics or tracking impact of, say, your communication activities, it's really hard to do. If you look analogously across to, say, the commercial organization, there's figures, there's quantitative data sales figures that they can measure their overall impact on. But medical affairs, there's obviously an enormous amount of compliance considerations but overall general medical influence, it's a lot harder to track. And if you kind of break it down, I mean, we can say at least anecdotally that the overall landscape hasn't been developed. I mean, it's a provocative word there, developed to the best that it could be. Is the unmet medical need that a particular asset is meeting, is that unmet medical need at the forefront of the collective conscious of the medical community? Those early medical communications or medical affairs activities, they're important to, again, we want to highlight the unmet medical need that our drug is going to address at the time of launch and bringing that to the forefront of their collective conscious. I can think of some cases where this would be crucial to how different clinical trials are designed. I'm thinking, for example, if you talk about something like a treadmill walk versus a sort of walking exercise, and these are real examples, though I won't name companies. One was a treadmill walk for 
a product that was to be used for chronic fatigue syndrome. And the response from payers and physicians both was, that's not how I think about chronic fatigue at all. And it suggests to me that they didn't really understand the unmet need versus Mm -hmm. something like multiple sclerosis, where a walking test told the physicians everything and the payers everything Mm -hmm. about how the drug worked. It meant life. Am I understanding why we need to do medical affairs early? I would say that you touched upon a couple of things there, and I think you touched upon them quite nicely to a couple of things that I alluded to earlier. It's about that consensus regarding unmet medical need, and also something else that you touched upon that I did not touch upon earlier, and that is different types of evidence are going to mean different types of things to different people, and at the same time, everybody's evidentiary needs are different. So what's valuable to, say, a payer group is a lot different than what's valuable to a patient and what's valuable to a treating physician. So I think you brought up some really great points. And the question is, absolutely. If you can measure somehow through pulling in the insights through early medical engagement that there doesn't seem to be a large consensus regarding the unmet medical need in the space, then there's a large opportunity there for early medical engagement. To, again, I'm going to go back to my provocative word here on shaping the disease landscape. Because now, again, there's an opportunity for the organization to bring forward that unmet medical need that's going to be addressed by a particular asset. So you're not talking merely about understanding the medical need, but changing or highlighting what the market thinks the medical need is or perceives. Correct. It's not changing what the unmet medical need is because that's not going to change. You know, there's going to be unmet medical needs all over. How we define that's going to be different. Different specialty groups, different external stakeholders are going to define that differently. But instead, it's trying to rally the community around the unmet medical need that our drug is eventually going to fill. If I'm an early stage company, I've grown up with scientists, maybe not too many physicians, maybe one chief medical officer, or maybe a few physicians if I'm a physician-built company. I work with a lot of companies that are early stage for business development and valuation work. At those stages, they don't have a medical affairs program. They may be thinking of adding a medical affairs program, but they've learned to really work with PhDs and grants. And now maybe they're chief medical officer. How do I, as a leader of one of these companies, what do I have to know differently about dealing with medical affairs? This is my first medical affairs. What do I do? Medical affairs, we break down the overall function. There's really two basic things, and that is the communication of evidence and enabling the generation of evidence. So if we think about all of medical affairs activities in the traditional sense, it's really kind of doing one or the other. And I want to take a step back to what I was talking about at the top of the podcast, and that was the strategic medical foundation, and specifically the medical narrative, because that is an internally facing positioning document. Whether you have a small amount of people or a small organization or an extremely large organization, there needs to be perfect alignment with how we want to talk about assets and disease. And operationalizing the development of this positioning document, the medical narrative, is something that can be accomplished with N equals one or maybe slightly greater. And their overall path forward will be distilled from that. All right. I have one final question, Steve. If I'm working with medical affairs, I now know they need to speak to different parts of the organization. I'm generally pretty flat. 
Is there something organizationally where you have medical affairs reporting to multiple places? Seems kind of messy, but there are also different stakeholders that really, really need to know and really, really need to have medical affairs work well with them. Is there something organizationally that we can take away from this idea that medical affairs has at least two masters? Actually, I think there's a few things. We work with a lot of organizations and the overall kind of where medical affairs fits into that particular organization, it can vary quite a bit. I mean, we have found small organizations fairly early in development with a rather large and robust medical organization. And we found, say, surprisingly larger organizations really late in the development game that have rather limited medical affairs capabilities at that moment in time. And what we find just what shapes that is executives, leadership, basic understanding of the value that medical affairs can bring. And we would say the more progressive organizations can understand that value that medical affairs can really bring through any moment in development or life cycle of an asset. But it's really in that early development phase where many, many, many organizations ignore medical affairs capabilities and value. Steve Gomez, thank you for joining me on the Cineos Health Podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you want to talk through a hard decision you're making at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at cineoshealth.com. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For access to more future-focused, actionable life sciences insights, visit the Cineos Health Insights Hub at insightshub.health. Cineos Health, shortening the distance from lab to life. Music.